that Neno likes the Christmas season? Because all he likes is the snow. Yeah, it's the right way somewhere, or where you grow up, or, or, or the way that you're wired. I love the smell of Christmas. When you think like the smell of Christmas, do you think like pine needles? You smell like maybe the firewood, uh, like if you have a house, a fire, not a house on fire, but a house with a fireplace. Or you smell like the cinnamon. Have you just like, just those, some of those different, okay, no, no, you're like, you're, you have your own smells. That's all right. Uh, Christmas, that, that thing, that warmth that you feel about spending time with the family, when it's like you normally spend time together, but now it's a bit more intentional, and it seems to matter a little bit more, whereas before you're like, we're all chilling, watching our own shows, and eating our own foods, but we're doing something here together. Exchanging gifts, because it's a way that we try to express that we love and we're thinking about somebody, not because we're trying to be materialistic or get more stuff. Um, that whole spirit of Christmas where everybody just seems this much nicer. What do you think? I, I love that. That's one of the reasons I love Christmas. I'm enjoying our series, The Gift of Christmas, because we're getting to look at stories surrounding Jesus' birth and being reminded the great gift that God has given us, his son. To truly value a great gift, though, you have to consider believing it, receiving it. Maybe in this case, being willing to give it to others. I'm excited about what we're talking about tonight because in the world we live in, sometimes certain gifts don't work for everybody the same way. I remember um, I was probably 13, 14, 15, somewhere like that. My uh, mom's parents, which we didn't really see very often, uh, they got me this, they got us all Christmas presents, and they would come over for like one of those family dinners, and uh, so we were like opening presents. They, they would spend at least half the year down in Texas where it was warmer, and so we didn't see them a ton. I don't know that they were very up to how much was happening in our lives and how much we were growing. So I opened this box up, and I got this beautiful sweater that was for sure a kid's large. At this time in my life, I was already close to starting on some NFL football team size-wise. And I held it up and my mom's like, oh, go try it on. And she's laughing. She thinks it's funny. But some gifts just don't work for everybody, right? Yeah. yeah please go put it on. I don't want to put it on. But the gift that we're going to talk about tonight, the gift of Jesus... It's great because it is one size fits all. And maybe you're like me and you're like, well, one size does not fit all. Trust me. In this case, it does. And we're going to look at, we're going to look at that fact. And we're going to look at a couple different things in this story in Luke chapter 2. If you have your Bible, you can do there. If you want to look on your phone or they'll put it up on the screen. But we're going to look in Luke chapter 2 where God decides to tell the world about this gift. This is the first announcement that's gone public, you know, there's the behind-the-scenes stuff. This is the first public announcement. And it's one of these things that it's a bit of like a, a great holiday gift kind of fun, but it also has like this scavenger hunt feel to it. You know, sometimes you're like, I just want the gift. I don't want to work for it. This one they had to work for. Uh, he gave them clues. He helped them. He probably was like, hotter, hotter, hotter. You're almost there. It's one of these types of gifts. You're going to love it. So... 
It's a story uh, where um, currently Bethlehem, it's in the West Bank of Israel, and maybe five, ten miles outside of town, there's just nothing. But there were fields. And it's in these fields that the shepherds would come and they would watch their sheep. There was nothing exciting to watch. This was their job. So we're going to talk a little bit more about what happens here, and then we're going to go back and understand a little bit more about shepherds, why this conversation is so important and impactful, what it means to us. So let's do that. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, says, That night in a field near Bethlehem, shepherds were watching over their flocks. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared to them in radiant splendor before them, lighting up the field with the blazing glory of God. And the shepherds were terrified. They they did, did not have like portable lights. They were not like walking around with their phones, like trying to see stuff. It was like that one campfire or maybe they, they didn't see much. It was whatever the skylight would provide. It was a dark, dark night. And in Israel right now, it's probably 40, 45 degrees is like they're high-low-ish. They're, it's not very warm. It's not very exciting. And in the middle of the night, boom, the light shines up, and it's an angel in the sky. All this stuff would be crazy. It says it was, like the words that it uses, it says it's blazing glory. So much so, just like when the angel appeared to Mary, just like every time an angel appeared, they were all afraid. Because this is not only not natural, you usually feel like you're called into the principal's office. Like, what did I do? What did I do wrong? I must have done something bad. In this case, they didn't do something bad. They were afraid. It says, but the angels assured them, saying, don't be afraid, for I've come to bring you good news. The most joyous news the world has ever heard. So the angel came to bring good news. The most Bestest, greatest, fantasticest, superfluous, the greatest news that anybody has ever heard to the shepherds. And, listen to this, it says, it's for everyone, everywhere. This news, we're starting with the shepherds, but it's for everybody and it's for everywhere. For today in Bethlehem, a rescuer was born to you. He is the Lord Yahweh, the Messiah. You're going to recognize him because he's going to have this big white horse. He's going to have like five or six buff dudes around him with swords. He's going to have a whole bunch of followers. There'll be some girls in the back who are like, oh, he's so great. What? Oh, no, it says in verse 12. I'm sorry. That was in the Irish version. In the, in the, in the Bible, it actually says... You're going to recognize him by this miraculous sign. You're going to find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a feeding trough. This amazing news is there's some baby making boo-boos in the hay. So the shepherd's got to be like, this is a big deal. We're Jewish boys. We know we've been waiting for this. And then, all at once, in the night sky, 
It says a vast number of glorious angels appeared, the varying armies of heaven, and they all praised God singing. This had to be like their biggest, most exciting day. They're like, you know, we never get to talk to these people. You know, we really never get to do very much. When it says the vast armies, I'm wondering, like, could you count how many? Is it, is it a thousand? Is it a ten thousand? Is it a hundred thousand angels? Is it a million angels that are in the sky shining so bright? And they said this, glory to God in the highest realms of heaven. For there is peace and a good hope given to the sons of men. This was their one line. This is their one moment. They said, glory to God in the highest, peace and good hope given to men. When the choir of angels disappeared and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, what do you think? Anybody hungry? Maybe we can make a McDonald's run, go check this out. They said, let's go, let's hurry and find this word who was born in Bethlehem and see for ourselves what the Lord has revealed to us. You know, sometimes when you get good news, you just take people's word for it. Or you're like, yeah, that's great. And other times when it's something like this, something that's life-changing, you got to go see it yourself. you got to experience it yourself. So they did. Since they hurried off and they found their way to Mary and Joseph. Let me show you what they found. I got this approved. It's okay. Sorry, he's not here yet. It says the, and if you read in uh, the book of uh, Mark, it says the Magi were far east. So this is east in this corner. So he's just going to look from afar. He didn't make it. They didn't make it that night. They made it a few days later, maybe a few weeks later. But right now, these little shepherds, they wander up and all they see mom and papa and a donkey. Apparently these guys are brothers because they look a lot alike. Or it's cheaper to make the mold where you just used to. And apparently you peace, peace, oh my heart. You make that move. The only people who showed up the night that Jesus was born were these kids. Because if you hear about shepherds, what we know Nobody liked that job, and it usually fell to the youngest kid in the family. It was low wage. It was low importance. So much so that if you wanted to go and make temple sacrifices, which was how you would be made right with God, and you were a shepherd, you couldn't go. No room in the inn applied to them. They weren't allowed to be made right with God. They weren't allowed to come to church like you. It would be like a sign on the door that said, no shoes, no shirt, no shepherds, no service. So when he brings this good news to everyone everywhere, and he takes it to the people that everybody already had marginalized, and said, nah, you smell. You're of low class. You're not important. That's apparently not what God thought. Because he says, I'm going to use my messengers, these angels, to turn these boys into the messengers for the world. It says, upon seeing this miraculous sign, the shepherds recounted what had just happened. And everybody who heard the shepherd's story 
was astonished by what they said. Did you hear what it said there? It says everybody who heard their story, they had become messengers. Not only did they hear it and then go experience it, they told everybody about it. Because when you come face to face with God, when you have an experience where God comes and changes your life, there's nothing else you can do but tell everybody about it. I think one of the big things that they were excited about was that God came to us. Like he showed up at my work. We were out in the field, yeah, you know, pastor 42, where nobody cares about you. We were over there and, and the angels came and they talked to us. God sent his son first to the lowly shepherds, those who had been marginalized and looked past and looked beyond. He didn't call whoever was the local governor, whoever were the kings and priests. The people from the temple weren't invited. The people who the shepherds couldn't go hang out with, they didn't get the call. In fact, the next people who eventually did show up were these guys from the far east who said, we've heard something. And they go and they talk with a guy who's in charge of the area, Herod, and said, oh, it's a big deal. And he goes, oh, well, that's threatening to my thing, so we're going to go ahead and try to find these kids and hunt them down. And it says they went ahead of them, and they found him. They followed the star. So eventually they, make, they made their way over here. God wasn't looking at the external. He was looking at the hearts. He's always looking at the hearts. It was this group, these young boys. I mean, when they were ready to pick a new king, all of David's brothers got invited but David because he was the young one out watching the sheep. Nobody would ever pick the youngest. Nobody would ever pick the shepherd kid. But God's always about picking the marginalized. He's always about picking the ones everybody else passes over. Christmas is a reminder that God has always prioritized the marginalized. He's always put first the people that everybody else passes by. What does that say about God? What does that say about us? Have you ever felt marginalized, devalued, overlooked, felt like you weren't important? I feel like part of that is the human condition, but part of that is how broken we are as people, that we do that to each other so often. That almost all of us feel like less than. But you're not alone. We talked about Mary. She couldn't have possibly felt like she qualified to be Jesus' mom. She had to thought, I'm too young. I'm not yet married. I'm from Nazareth. Nothing good comes from Nazareth. Apparently, those weren't the things that God cared about. Maybe it was just that she had a good heart and that she was humble and she was willing to receive this gift and to trust God. What about the story that we looked at about Zechariah and Elizabeth? See, for Jesus to come, the Bible is clear. It says actually somebody would come before him and make the way clear. That was actually his cousin, John, John the Baptist. Well, 
John wasn't that much older. In fact, his uh, cousins, uh, Elizabeth and uh, uh, Zechariah, they didn't have any kids. They were older. They were considered barren. They hadn't been blessed with a kid, even though he was a guy who they loved, they loved God. He actually worked at the temple. It would be like working at the church. He worked at the church every day. He tried to do all the right things, and they still were never blessed to have kids. They probably thought, I'm too old. I must have done something wrong. And God says, I think it's about time we have a, we have a kid around here. They were so surprised. His dad was like, uh, questioning, like, well, are you sure? And he goes, you know, why don't you take a time out? Why don't you not say anything for a few months until this baby's born? Just to remind you how great I am. Christmas tells us Jesus is always coming to the people that everybody else is passing over. You're welcome at the manger, just as you are. Maybe you've thought, or you know people who've thought, I'm just, I'm not good. I don't think I'm good enough for whatever it might be that God would have for your life. Maybe it would be the basics of just knowing him, or maybe it would be, allowing him to use you however he chose to. Maybe you feel like your history disqualifies you or that you don't follow enough of the, the rules, the commandments, you didn't, you're not perfect yet. How could, how could you receive that gift? If you want to know what Jesus meant when he said that this is for everyone, everywhere, then look at what he did. Look at what he said. He picked fishermen, tax collectors. He spent time with people that other people said these are just drunkards or prostitutes. They were the people that everybody marginalized. He said, oh, you're a leper? Let's talk about this. Oh, you've never been able to walk. Oh, you have a problem. You have an issue. You need healing. Oh, you're from Samaria. Oh, you've had four or five husbands and none of them seem to be want to be faithful to you. Maybe it wasn't her problem. Maybe it was just a place where the rules only benefited guys. And they go like, yeah, I can just be your husband and then if I don't feel like it, I can just go, see ya. Maybe people just kept betraying her. But Jesus said, I'm not gonna betray you. And he went and talked to her. And she took that story and told her whole town. So much so that they, they started by saying, oh, we believe you, let's go see. And then they go, we don't just believe you, we believe what we heard. Because the Bible actually says that Jesus stayed for a few days in Samaria. It wasn't just about her, but it was about helping people who've been marginalized become messengers. Because once you've discovered that God has a purpose and a plan for your life and that he loves you and he cares about you, even though the world says you're at this status, whatever that is, or you feel undervalued because people don't see you the way he sees you. He's like, all right, I got a story for you to tell. Let me help you with it. He truly loves us no matter our past, no matter our age, our gender, our ethnicity, our political views, our height, our weight, our social status, our sexuality, none of that stuff 
is the things he's looking at. He's looking at our hearts and he sees value in us no matter if we've been marginalized or looked at differently. When he says, I love the world so much that I'm sending my son, my one and only son, that if you would just believe that that gift is for you, then you would never perish and you would experience life eternal. See, we get so lost because we think he sent his son into the world to condemn the world, to bring judgment to the world. But he says, nope, I didn't come to do that. I sent him to save the world. Sometimes we just have this view that he came to bring me judgment. In fact, he came to bring me salvation. He came to bring me freedom. And he came to bring that news to people that everybody else passed by. And our calling as a church is not just to focus on everybody who's already heard this message and receive this gift of Jesus, but to reach out to those who are marginalized, like the shepherds. And for us to announce, like the angels, that peace and hope have come to the earth. And it's for everyone, everywhere. Jesus is big enough to help us through all of our pasts, our habits, our struggles. And that's his job. He works with each one of us at our own pace and our own speed. Our, our job is to be a place where love, acceptance, and forgiveness can be found, where people can come and discover the glory that has changed our world. And he changes our lives. Maybe you're in a place where this season has been a hard season for you. I want to encourage you that he's come to bring hope and he's come to bring peace. And that the good news that he has, it's for you. And it's for those other people. The ones that sometimes we don't think deserve it because they're just jerks or troublemakers or whatever the words are. He came for them. And he came for the marginalized. He came for the people that everybody has a reason why we shouldn't stop to help them. I actually listened, I was listening to a, uh, an audiobook this week and I thought it was interesting because he was talking about the different factors that make us sometimes change the things we would want to normally do. And he, they did a study and it was, they actually went to like this preacher school or whatever it was. And they talked to some of these people and they were going to, they said, hey, we're going to have you go over to this part of the school and we're actually going to have you give a talk. And we're going to have you talk about the Good Samaritan, the one who a lot of good people passed by, but then one person stopped and he, he helped somebody. So they had people who were already preconceived to want to help people. And then you had these preachers who actually were given that as their topic to talk about. And it said they, they only changed one factor in the different number of people that they talked to. The only factor that they did is for half of them, they told them that they were late and then they needed to hurry up. 
And the other half, they said, yeah, if you can make your way over there, that'd be great. They had set up somebody who they would pass by on their way who was desperately in need, and it was obvious. And because they had heard that I'm running late, they just went right by, most of them. People who were going to talk about the Good Samaritan. People who were believers and were, would want to be helpful in any other situation. Often, more often. And a good chunk of the people who weren't told to hurry, they actually stopped. I want to encourage you with this. Sometimes the world tells us we're running late for something. Or maybe we even tell ourselves. And we miss an opportunity. I wonder if those shepherds have gone, actually, no, we've got to move them over to Pasture 42. I would love to do that. We're actually running late. Actually, my dad said we had to get them all back by 4 a.m. And if we do we do this thing, we're not going to make it. How many people miss out on this good news because they're working on somebody else's clock? He is worth the time to stop. And this good news is such great news. The angel said it was the greatest news that had ever been delivered, ever been shared. It's worth your time this week to stop to tell somebody about it. And maybe telling somebody about it is starting with inviting them to Christmas Eve service or the Sunday service that will be Christmas focused. Maybe that is, maybe that is the first step. Or maybe at some point you'll have an opportunity to have a conversation where they can ask you your story. Because those shepherds had experienced something and they had a story to tell. So maybe this week or this next week and a half, when you get a point in life slows down a little bit, if you have a chance to pause and say, what has he done for me? What have I experienced in my life that somebody would go, oh, I've got to see that for myself, like these shepherd's boys did. Because I'll tell you, if you go, I don't know that I have a story, then I would encourage you, invite him into your life in a fresh way. Say, I want to experience you in my everyday life. I want to have a story to tell about your amazing love, how you came to rescue me. Because I felt like this, and now I feel like you know my name. You know where I'm at, and you love me. I don't feel that from everybody else in my life sometimes. Let me pray for you. Jesus, sometimes we can feel so overlooked, so passed by, so much like we're less than what we need to be. But I love, love, love the fact that you prioritize knowing us. And that you stopped in your busy schedule to come and bring us hope. And bring us peace. And that your son came to rescue us. And that you didn't need an audience of the world's most popular or the world's most famous or most esteemed people, you came and you brought the good news to the people that everybody else marginalized. Would you help us to be carriers of this good news this week? Would you help us to see people who are in need and pause and help and to share that you have 
a life filled with hope, a life filled where they can find peace in you. Jesus, thank you that you care about shepherds. Thank you that you care about us. And in this season, help us to have a story like they did to share with everyone. We love you and thank you that you loved us first. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.